You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. That Take your Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter number 4, 1 John chapter number 4. Trying to figure out what I can do with this little stand here. First John chapter 4, as you're turning there, I'm going to figure this out. Get this out of the way here. Thank you so much for singing to, uh, to the West Coast group here. Appreciate that. Hope you'll get by and meet these young people. They're great, great. Uh, uh, I call them young people. They're not, they're not too young, but uh, we're glad that you're here, and uh, they've done a great job. They're with us in the teen department. <clears throat> did a great job there, so thank you so much for being here. I would encourage you, <clears throat> excuse me, to grab some of those flyers on your way out today off the back table, the Friend Day flyers, and let's get those out to people in your neighborhood or, or in your uh, office or at work or you know, at your, your friends, relatives, coworkers, whoever, and invite some people for next week. Want to get them here to hear a clear gospel message. And uh, thank you to those who have been donating the candy. I already saw it out there. Now, I don't think I have a problem <clears throat> with stealing, but I don't think I do. But when I walked past that candy bucket, I saw a big bag of those high chews in there. And I got to tell you, yesterday when I saw that, there was some temptation. And, uh, and you'll be glad to know I did not give in to that temptation until this morning. But um, no, I'm just kidding, I didn't. But it's out there. And uh, so, so thank you. That's the good stuff. I saw that in there and I was like, wow, man, they're bringing, they're bringing the good stuff. So thank you for donating there. I mentioned earlier the Miracles will be here tonight. Their name is, it sounds like Miracle, but it's M A R. And it was, that'd be a cool name, the Miracles, right? But uh, <clears throat> he and his wife were missionaries to China for 20 years. And they just came back uh, to take over his dad's church, Brother Miracle's dad's church up in Santa Rosa, I think it's in that area up, up in Northern California, and so they have a lot to share, and they, they will be a blessing. I've heard Brother Miracle preach. He's a great preacher, and you will be blessed tonight, so hopefully you will come back to hear that, and then <clears throat> as you're still finding your place in 1 John chapter 4, it's Miss Jalmadine Denny's birthday today. Miss Jalmadine, I won't say how old you are, but I will say it is a milestone birthday for Miss Jalmadine, and so we are very thankful for you. So we just want to publicly say happy birthday to you, Miss Jalmadine. We don't always do that for everybody. Give her a round of applause, please, and, and uh, thank you. Now, <clears throat> if you've got the guts to ask her how old she is, you can, okay? But uh, I'm not going to say that publicly, but it is a milestone birthday. And so on those milestones, we like to, like to celebrate people. We have a couple in our church. They're not here today, but they've been married for 77 years. And so, you know, with, with people like that, you, you want to honor that longevity and that faithfulness. And so we want to make sure we do that as much as we can. First John chapter number four, we're going to read the first four verses this morning. And, uh, and I want to speak to you a little bit. It's one of the, you'll, you'll see here one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. And I hope that uh, as you read verse 4, when we get there, you'll recognize it. You've probably quoted it. You've probably claimed it at some point in your life. But I want you to see sometimes verses that we use in Scripture, 
We, we claim a specific verse, but, but when we miss the context of that verse, we, we can often, we can claim it and it can mean something special for us, but it's more powerful when you see why it was said that way. So the famous verse we're talking about is, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, right? You've heard that verse before, probably many of you, but let's read verses 1 through 4 of 1 John, and then we'll jump in here. Beloved, <clears throat> believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, we're talking about false spirits and try the spirits. We're really talking about teachers, trying the doctrines and the teaching that we hear nowadays. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now, it's not saying, <clears throat> excuse me, the person that says that is the Antichrist. We know that there will be a person that rises up in power that will be called the Antichrist. But this is the spirit of Antichrist, meaning against Christ, a spirit that is against Jesus. So anyone that is denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh as God and lived on this earth 33 perfect years, never sinning, being God in the flesh, and dying on the cross and rising again, people that deny that are Antichrist. So we have to recognize that any religion that says that is Antichrist. Any person that says that is anti-Christ, not the anti-Christ, but is against Christ. So that's pretty strong language, okay? So being anti-Christ. So, and it says, now look, that, that spirit, that spirit that is against Christ, you have heard that it should come, verse 4, verse 3, and even now already it is in the world. So even in John's day, he's saying, look, you know, Christ just died not too long before this, uh, you know, maybe a, a little while before that because John was older when he wrote this book. But he said, even now there are already people saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh, that he was not born of a virgin, that he, he, he wasn't here, it was, he was not the Messiah. Verse 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the, the, the topic here is false teaching. When we claim this verse, I think it's good to claim it, but because the, the truth is God is greater. But, uh, but it's in regards to false teaching. I want to preach a message where it says there in verse 4, greater is he. I want to preach a message on that. Greater is he. Let's pray together. Father, bless, I pray, as we jump into this message this morning. I really pray that your, your, your Holy Spirit, that you would speak. If we're saved today, then we have the Spirit of God inside of us. And I pray that your spirit would commune with our spirit and that we would be in agreement today on what needs to be done in our lives. Speak with us, show us truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have a saying that I say when I get stressed out sometimes. And uh, so you say, well, I never get stressed. Well, God bless you, pray for me. Because I get stressed sometimes. And, uh, and what, what usually brings about the stress is when a lot of noise is going on. 
So if I'm driving in a car, and you know, sometimes Siri will not shut up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, in 2.5 miles, take exit, you know, exit 7 east to the 405 south, and then hang right, and, you're, and, you're go, and you get closer, and they just keep talking, and, you know, get in the second to right lane, take the exit, veer right, and all this stuff. And so I'll sometimes be driving. I'm in the middle of a conversation with my wife, and then Siri starts chirping at me, and then I got, you know, we have... A, a, a gaggle of kids in our back seat, and their and their dad. Hey, dad, real quick, dad. Hey, dad, dad. You know, and all this kind of stuff. And what I'll, my my phrase, my wife knows it's too many voices, too many voices. And what that means is, dad is about to short circuit in his brain right now. So we need to we need to stop. Somebody needs to stop. Siri's getting thrown out the window, or one of the kids are. Somebody's got to stop talking because the short circuit system is going on. And you know what, I, I feel like so many times when, when, when I'm on the internet or just driving down the road or anything, I feel the same way when it comes to teachings and philosophies. There's too many voices. There's too many voices. And when there's so many voices, it's really hard to pick out what the right voice is. If you'll notice in the Bible, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Kings chapter 19, when God came to Elijah in the cave, remember that God came to him and spoke to him in what kind of a voice? A still small voice. Now the devil will shout, and everybody today is telling you that they've got some novel idea, they've got some new, new fresh look on something, and everybody's got to start a podcast, and everybody's got to write a book, and everybody's got to have a pamphlet coming out, and everybody's got to say, and we've got constantly philosophies, teachings that we're hearing, and we've got too many voices. There's a lot of people that are teaching others that first need to go back and be taught themselves, as Hebrews chapter 5 tells us. And, and, and so you, you are going to hear this all the time. You get philosophy when you go to work. You get philosophy when you're driving on the freeway. You get philosophy when you listen to the news. There, everyone has a point of view, and they're trying to sell it to you. Everybody does. So with all of these voices, you say, well, well, how does that, you, you know, there's not that many. Really, try to do anything and not hear a thousand opinions. Whatever you buy, there's going to be opinions about it. Have you ever looked up a restaurant on Yelp? So going to look up this new restaurant and see what the reviews are. They're either one star or five stars. And usually in equal proportions. So it's like out of five, it's 2.5 stars. You're like, that doesn't help me at all. You know, and you read it and it's like, I hate this restaurant. It's the worst restaurant I've ever been to. I wouldn't send my dog here. And then you read the next review and it's like, this is the greatest restaurant I've ever been to. I would love to work here and just lick the food off the ground if I could. And you know, you go back to this one and it's like, you know, this is you know, the, the so mean, the waitresses were horrible and all this. This is the best Mexican food, the best carnitas I've ever had in my entire life. And you're like, I have no idea whether the food is good. I guess I'm just going to try it out. I will tell you, if it's Long Beach and it's Mexican food, it's probably good. All right? So uh, you got a good bet going. And I've been to most of them already. But anyway, so you just hear so much. And you still get what happens when you hear so many voices. There's just confusion. Now, who do you think is happy? Who do you think is happy when Christians are confused? I believe the Bible tells us that God is not the author of what? Confusion. So if there's so many voices, the devil doesn't care what people are saying as long as it's not the truth. So he will just have voices coming at you all the time. 
And this is so true, especially for Christians. I have seen and heard far too many Christians giving ears to false teachers and worldly preachers that claim that they know God. Why are so many Christians quitting church? Why are they? Is it because the truth is not being preached? That's not always the case. We should be asking, who did they listen to outside of church? What false teacher got their ear? What, per, what cool hipster guy online said, you don't even need church anymore. The church has left the building. We can just have church and worship at home and by ourselves. That's not what church is in the Bible. But we hear all of these things, and oh, that sounds good. There are Christians that are joining cults and communes. I know some. Uh, there's been a pastor that preached in this church years ago who started a commune and left their church and started some weird thing out in the, in the wilderness somewhere. What I'm saying is, why are we hearing all these things? Why, what do we do with it? And there are a lot of, I will say, prominent Christians in our world today that I don't even know if they are Christian by the doctrine that they say. Look in your Bibles here at 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> Beloved, that's a term of endearment. <clears throat> believe not every spirit. Do you believe everything people tell you? No. You know why? You've got a little discernment. Do you believe everything your kids tell you? Every parent's like, <laughs> good one, pastor. No, we don't, right? You don't believe everything anybody tells you. But for some reason, if somebody stands up and says, the Holy Spirit told me to say, then we're like, oh, he told him. Did you know that people can even lie about that? <laughs> and they do. But it says here, believe not every spirit, but try. What does that mean? Test. Test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So many false prophets. So in John's day, if there were many false prophets, how many more do you think there are now? Multiply. Hold your place here very quickly. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Go back to Matthew chapter number 7. This idea of testing the false spirits is not a new thing. Jesus said it too. So in Matthew chapter 7... Let's look at a couple verses here. Now, some of these verses you're going to know, too. And all of these verses we're reading are in the context of false teachers. Keep that in mind. You've heard some of these verses quoted, but they were quoted in the context of false teachers. Matthew chapter number 7. Look at verse number 15. Now, obviously, verse 15 is about false prophets. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. Now, remember, as Christians, we're kind of talked about as sheep. They may even come in a Christian outfit, in a Christian disguise, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Man, they want your money. They want you. They want your soul. They want something. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. There, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. <clears throat> you know, sometimes it would be good for us to stop just latching on to every new thing and give it some time. You know why? It takes a while for fruit to spring up and to see what's come from this. There's a lot of philosophies in churches today that I think a lot of churches that are jumping onto this bandwagon, they're going to regret it in 20 years because the fruit will be seen. They're going to look back and say, boy, why did I jump ship so quick? Because the fruit that we're seeing is not what we wanted. 
And it says here in verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4, if you held your place there. So he's saying, look, look at what they claim, but also look at what they do. Look at what they produce. Are they producing? Are these teachings and philosophies and doctrines and, and teachers, are they producing people? Are they producing people that, that know the truth of the word of God? Are they producing good results? Is it something that honors and matches up with the Bible? Uh, you know, they may claim that they're led of the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't make it true. The Holy Spirit's going to produce fruit. Fruit does not always look like a big crowd, by the way. Well, if they got a big crowd, I better believe them. We'll talk about that in a minute, all right? But, uh, but how, how do we know if they're false teachers? The Bible says you test them, you try them. Well, how do you test them? Now, I don't think it means you go to a laboratory, get out a beaker, get your Bunsen burner. You know, that's not the testing. Here's what you do. You hold up what they say and what they produce side by side with the word of God. And you say, does what they say match up with what God said? Does what they produce, is that matching up with what God said? And this is our litmus test. This is how we know if somebody is a false teacher or not. Now, now, here's the key to that. you got to know what this says. you got to know what it teaches. That's important. Look what it says here. And by the way, if they don't match up, they're rejected. They're rejected. And, we, and, and, and that's why it's important that we know the word of God. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Hereby, here's the test. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come. Even now it's already in the world. Now, in our day, I think people have become even more uh, 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 clever with their lies. And some may even claim, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But this is a great test for false teachers. Here it is, you ready? If you're wondering what, it, 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 one of the biggest tests to find out if someone is a false teacher, a false prophet is look what they say about Jesus Christ. Look at what they teach about Jesus Christ. Now, we know some of the big ones. Let me help you with this. Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe that God created Jesus as Michael the archangel before the world began. So they believe God created Jesus, Michael the archangel, before the world began. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. So what does that tell you? They're not saved. They also believe that Jesus rose from the dead spiritually, but not physically. What's 1 Corinthians 15 tell us? If you don't believe in the resurrection, your faith is in vain. It's dead. Um, how about uh, Mormons? And, I'm, and you say, well, Pastor, you're picking all these religions. They deserve to be picked on because they're teaching false doctrine, first of all. I'm not being mean to people. I'm being mean to the teaching. Okay, and I'm not even being mean. I'm awful nice about it, all right? But it's false teaching. I wouldn't be mean to a Mormon. A Mormon I've talked to many of them. I've talked to many Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not mean. I have nothing against I want them to get saved. But I'm also not going to stand by and let them spread wicked, false doctrine that is sending people to hell. Mormons believe that God was once a man and that God progressed into Godhood. He was a man that was doing so well as a man that he became God. 
And so there are thousands upon thousands of gods, and you as a human can do the same thing. You can live so well and progress so much that you will become a god too. That's, that's, that's part of the teaching. They also believe that Jesus was physically conceived in the womb by God and Mary, and that the devil's his brother. So they, they, they believe that. that so it, it, that you know, God created Jesus with Mary physically in the womb. You know, and, and I could just go on and on. There's so many, and we can see those are wrong. We, we can look at that and say, wow, you know, whether you're new to church or, or whatever, you can probably listen to that and say, that's crazy. You know, I don't believe that. But can I tell you, people are getting sneakier. Is sneakier a word? I don't know. Sneakier and sneakier about their false doctrines creeping in. And we have got to be careful about this. We really do. Can I ask you a question? And I'll give you a couple thoughts. We'll be done. How much false doctrine are you okay with taking in each week? How much are you okay with? How much wrong philosophy are you okay with reaching your ears and eyes? Because here's what I'm going to tell you. Every time you turn the TV on and you watch a sitcom, you're getting wrong philosophy. They say, how? Because they're telling you, hey, root for these two to hook up. Hey, root for this guy to cheat on his wife because she's treating him like dirt. Root for this lady to cheat on her husband because he's treating her like dirt. Root for this, root for that. And, and, and they're just, you're hearing it all the time. You may not even be knowing you're hearing it. You know, uh, you listen to any uh, uh, podcast or even or TV show or movie, after, they're going to say something negative about God. They're just going to. And we as Christians have to ask ourselves, how much false doctrine are we okay with taking in? How much are we identifying how much are we even saying, man, that is so ridiculous and wrong, and I don't want to hear this garbage anymore? How much worldly or false teaching are we going to listen to in podcasts this week? How much are we going to watch on some reels on YouTube or whatever they're called on, on Instagram or Twitter? How much are we going to, going to listen to in TV program and radio and news? And I'm not going to stand up here and say, listen to this, don't listen to this, listen to this, don't listen. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to warn you to be very careful how much false doctrine you're letting get to you because you're going to get a lot and you've got to have the wisdom to reject that and then we get to verse 4 so the test is hey see what they say about Jesus and then verse 4 comes along and John says this year of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world such a great verse such a great verse we know the background a little bit now but what does it mean for us? How does this verse help us with all the voices we hear? How does this, vo uh, this verse help us with all the false doctrine? I want to show you three quick things here at this verse, and it will be brief. Look, if you would, at verse number four again. I want you to see, first of all, this. John reminds them who they were or who they are. John reminds them who they are. He says, ye are of God, little children. Ye are of God. Another term of endearment. Beloved, little children, he calls them. He loves these people he's writing to. He is concerned about who's getting to them and what they're listening to. And can I say, I feel the same way. I'm concerned about who you're listening to. I'm concerned about what you're taking in in your life. Because I don't want to see Christians that are seduced and led astray. And I've seen it. Man, I've seen it in our church. I've seen it in the youth department. I've seen so many people that get hooked in by some false preaching and teaching. And they're led astray. 
But little children, he said, remember who you are. Ye are of God. What's that mean? It means they believed and confessed Jesus Christ. That's what they mean. He's talking to saved people. He's talking to children of God. Now help me. If we are children of God, who does that mean we're not children of anymore? The devil. Now Jesus does say in John 8, 44, year of your father the devil. There are some people that are. But thank God that when you trusted him as your savior, you are no longer a child of the devil. You are a child of God. When people say the whole world, we're all children of God, in a sense, maybe, but not in a spiritual sense, because we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be into that family. And then we are the children of God. We belong to God. We're not children of the world. We're not children of the devil. We belong to God. My wife and I have had four kids. She did most of the work there. We've had four children. Our theme is these four and no more. There comes a point with every baby where we've had two at St. Mary's, we had one in Harbor City at, at Kaiser, and we had our last one at Memorial. We've just been touring the hospitals around here, okay? But uh, there comes a point when, when uh, uh, you know, at, at some point along that hospital stay where they hand you a baby and say, bye, get on out now. And you're like, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> you, know, you take him back. No, but... And what it is, is you're, you're gone. You got to have your car seat ready, of course. But what, when you get that, now it's like they belong to you. You make it live. Get, it, get out of here. We're done with you. And now you take that, and, and you're looking at, the, I remember our first child, I was like, what do we even do with this thing? You know, like, what, what does it eat? What does it, you know, how do I do, handle this? But that's the point. At some point, they say, it's yours. It belongs to you. Can I say, when you get saved, you belong to God the perfect heavenly father, and no man is plucking you out of God's hands, the Bible says. You belong to him. We need to remember that. We need to be reminded sometimes who we are. Not so we get a big head. We're, child, we're children of the king, but we're also sinners saved by grace. Let's not get the big head, but let's remember who we belong to. Let's remember who we are. We're, we're children of God. We represent our father. We don't have to listen to false doctrine. We don't have to give in to the world. We don't have to be like them. We don't have to follow the same sins and patterns that they do. We don't have to live that way because we've been delivered from it. We're children of God. We're saved. The world is so busy trying to tell you who you're not. The world is so busy trying to tell you who you're supposed to be. The world is so busy telling you who they want you to be and pressure you to be. And you need to know who you are and who you belong to. Why would we listen to the world? Why let them tell us who we are, who we're supposed to be? They don't even know who they belong to. They don't even see it. They've been blinded by the God of this world, the little g-god of the devil. Let's not try to be like them. And I ask you this morning, who are you? Are you a child of God? If we're children of God, let's act like it. If we're children of God, let's realize that, hey, we can and we'll have victory eventually, but we can have victory now. Let's act like children of God. We're not children of the devil. And if we're like God, we need to acknowledge that we belong to him. And if I belong to God, then I don't need to give ear to these false teachers. If I belong to God, I don't need to listen to false doctrine. If I belong to God, I belong to God fully. And I don't want any of that corruption in my life. Hey, you want to avoid the voices? You want to avoid the false teachers? 
remember who you belong to. Remember who you are. But can I say secondly, so he says, ye are of God, little children. Look at this next part. And have overcome them. So John reminds them who they are, but he also reminds them what they've done. He reminds them what they've done. And have overcome them. What's it mean to overcome? Um, well, I don't think the Dodgers would know about that. But what's it mean to... Sorry, I am so sorry. I, I really am. I had zero plans. My team didn't even make the playoffs, all right? I had zero plans of teasing you. God knows my heart. I gave in to the false teaching of the devil just right in my... All right. <clears throat> Let's get back to the mess. Some of you are like, tune you out. Now you're done. What's it mean to, to overcome? It means to defeat. It means to triumph. It means to overpower. So get what God's saying here. He, John says, let me remind you who you are, but let me remind you what you've done. You've overcome. You've defeated. You've won. You've defeated who? What have they overcome? He says, you've overcome them. Who's them? False teachers. He said, you've overcome them. <clears throat> They're in the world, but so far, you have defeated them. You have overpowered them. You have triumphed over them. What's he saying? He's saying, you haven't been seduced away from God. You haven't been swayed by false doctrines that these false spirits are spouting at you. You haven't been swayed. You've stood your ground. And I want to say thank you. Thank you to every one of you who've stood your ground. Thank you to every one of you who haven't been swayed by false doctrines that you hear daily and you go into a workforce that is anti-Christ and you have family that is against God and thank God that you have stood up and you've taken a stand and you said, you know what? I'm not going to be swayed by that. I thank God for you. I want you to know that. You're an encouragement to me. So thank you for doing that. You haven't been swayed away. But let me remind you that victory on this earth can be tenuous at best. And you know what? You, no sooner do you win one battle that the devil comes up with a new idea and throws it right down the pike, a new teaching, a new, you know, oh, it's the secret. You know, that book that was so popular. And then it was a Da Vinci Code. And people were just gobbling this stuff up. There's always something new. Let's never think that we stand, let's take heed lest we fall. Let's take heed. Hey, you've done well. Let's continue to do well. I was soul winning with my kids yesterday, and we did a street, and we thought, oh, you know, we, we need to do some more. So we came back, got another map, went out and did some more, and uh, one of my kids asked me, we were driving back, we had to go by 7-Eleven, you got to go by 7-Eleven after soul winning, that's a rule, I don't know if you knew that, it's in the book of Second Hesitations, but uh, you got to go by 7-Eleven, get a Slurpee. And so I uh, got the kids a Slurpee, and we're coming back, and one of my kids said, Dad, is it bad that I know a lot of cuss words? I was like, you've been hanging around our deacons way too much. Good night. I'm just kidding. But uh, I, said, I said, no, I said, look, we live in a fallen world. We live in an area that is saturated with ungodliness. And I said, look, your mom and I, <clears throat> we're going to protect you as much as we can from that. And, and, and from as much as that as we can... But more than that, there's no way we can protect you from everything you're going to hear and see. And we just can't do that. You know, can't walk around with those horse blinders on and earplugs in. I said, but more importantly, we're going to teach you how to overcome it. And we're going to teach you how to deal with it. And when you see something that shocks you, when you hear something that shocks you, 
We're going to be there to help you process that. And we're going to be there to tell you how you can overcome that and not be like that. And that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> now, I, I told them also this. I said, now, look, you've probably heard a lot of words, but there's going to be new ones. There's always going to be some new slang and some new, in well, they, they said, Dad, well, who even invents cuss words? I was looking through our directory of our church members and thinking, <laughs> I know a lot of them. But, uh, no, I said, I don't even know who invents cuss words. You know, you think about it. How did that even come to be? But, uh, but I said, I have no idea, but I do know there will always be new ones. And so you've got to have the tools to know what to do. Not to let them get into your brain so you're thinking them and saying them and getting angry. How you can process that and overcome it as a Christian. And I know many of you in here, you've overcome false teaching in your life. Some of you came out of cults. Some of you came out of false religions. Some of you came out of anti-Christ religions that taught false doctrines about God and Christ. And you came out of that. And you've overcome false teaching. But can I warn you, there's always going to be more. They're always going to be packaged up real nice. I wonder how many people... In your life, and, and maybe just think about this. Has there been in your life people that you've had to stop listening to, stop reading their books, stop watching, stop hanging out with because of their doctrine? I'm going to tell you, there probably should have been. At, at this stage of your life, there's, there's there probably been times where you've had to say, no more of that for me. Don't, please don't be the person that's like, well, I'm such a strong Christian that I can handle all this. That's how many great people have fallen. Let's not be that way, but let's realize that we can overcome. The, the people that are unbiblical, and there's always a novel idea, we've got to tune it out. You, you will have to know the word of God and go back to it again and again, because there'll be some new teaching, and you've got to try the spirits. And I said earlier, just because someone has a big following, that doesn't mean they're right. When I was a teenager, or not, before I was a teenager, probably 11 years old, I got to go, uh, I was living overseas with my, my, my parents, and I got to go to Italy. And uh, I got to go to Rome. And on that day in Rome, I think I've told you before, on that day in Rome, the Pope was out. You know, he's high-fiving people, doing backflips. No, he wasn't. He was 98 years old. And he, so, uh, but we, we went to the square, the Vatican. You know, we went in, and they had the, the Pope, and he was, he was just sitting on a seat up on this huge dais and, and just sat up there, and he was just hunched over. He, probably from the weight of that hat. You know, that hat looks like it's about 105 pounds, and his poor neck was like bent down. And, and I will tell you, I don't even know what the man said. Of course, it was Italian. I don't even know if he spoke, but what I do remember is the crowd of people. Tens of thousands of people, shoulder to shoulder, scrunch. If you've ever been on a, like a... On a, a a train in Italy, like you know what I'm talking about, or New York or something. Like, I mean, it was like shoulder to shoulder, everyone craning to listen to what he had to say. And can I just tell you, that didn't make him right. Didn't make him right. Because they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You gotta be, you gotta, your works, you gotta be, it's your works, it's your, no it's not. It's his work on the cross. Doesn't make him right just because he's got a big crowd. Let's be careful that we give ear to people just because they're charismatic, they've got charisma, they've got personality, or they've got a big following. Doesn't make them right. Try the spirits. By the way, it goes for me too. I'm not saying I'm Mr. Charisma, but I'm saying this. I want to be preaching this book. And if you come to me and say, Pastor, um, 
What's this say? Or, you know, you said this, but clear that up for me. I want to make sure I'm preaching the Bible too. So don't just believe everything the pastor says. Oh, pastor can't believe he said that. Try the spirits. You take what I say, you take what anybody says, and you go back to the book and you say, does the book say it? Does the book say it? The great thing about this, by the way, that, that we've overcome, the great thing is the eternal victory that we will have. There's no false teachers in heaven. You don't have to worry about it in heaven. That's wonderful. And you have overcome in that way, but you can also overcome now. So what is it? Just the, the, the three things. I have one more and I'm done. John reminded them who they are. John reminded them what they've done. But I want you to see, I love this part, that John also reminded them why they could do it. Why could they overcome? How? Look at the last part of the verse. Year of God, little children. That's who you are. And I've overcome them. That's what you've done. But why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. <clears throat> you know, you can have victory today over anything in your life. You can have victory over any false teaching and philosophy and doctrine that you've ever learned or heard in your life. Any stronghold in your mind, anything you've believed, any lie you've lived, you can have victory over it. Why? Because greater is God. Greater is he than he that's in the world. Jesus beats Satan every time. The truth beats the father of lies every time time that's why we can all win that's why we will win in the end and we're on the side that's going to win and we can overcome any lie or false doctrine because we have the spirit of god inside of us years ago we used to do a beach bonfire with our teenagers in december like at the end of december it was called it california style so we'd go to the beach at the end of december it wasn't even cold you know it's california and so we would go and we'd, and we'd play tackle football on the beach the guys and uh I remember one time, some of you would remember Ralph Barrios. Brother Barrios is a large human being. He's probably 6'3", about an inch taller than me, but he's probably two of me wide. Like, he is a big, strong man. And, uh, and I remember he was one of our youth workers. We're like, ah, I got Brother Barrios coming to the team activity. And so we were going to draw up teams for tackle football. And wouldn't you know it, Brother Barrios ended up on my team. Well, how it happened? Did I choose the teams? Yes, how, but I still don't know how it happened. But Barrios ended up on my team. You know what our game plan was? Hike. Here, Barrios. Go. And I'll tell you, he was like a freight train. I mean, it was, we probably should have had like consent forms signed. Teenagers were bouncing off him. And he's just running straight. Our whole game plan was pitch it to Barrios, get out the way. I think one time I'm like, I'm going to try to run it. And I ran it and I was like, let's give it back to Barrios. You know, but he was just so much bigger than everybody else. I want you to see this word here as we just look at this word as we close. Chapter, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know what the word greater, you know where it comes from? It's a Greek word. The Greek word is megas, where we get the word mega from. God is mega. God is greater. I love that. He was great. He, and it means much in quantity, much in degree, and great in size, important, great in status. And God is all of those. Recently, I went into our kitchen, and I love cereal. I love it so much, but I have to stay away from it. It doesn't love me. But I went into our, our kitchen the other day, and uh, I saw a, a box of cereal that my wife bought. I didn't bring any. Okay, it's empty. But it says here, you won't be able to see it, it says mega size. 
And I was like, yeah, I don't care what it is. I want it mega size. You know, that's why we go to Costco and get a slice of pizza. We want mega size. A mega, that, you know, that's, that's the, uh, I'll leave it right there. Some of you have something to stare at that's better than me, okay? God is the word mega. What, what does that mean? And I'm not trying to be irreverent. It means that God is greater. It means that God is bigger. It means that God is stronger. It means that God is higher. It means that God is mightier. That's what it means. And God is. He's greater. He's bigger. He's stronger. But let's actually, that's not, it's not even accurate. Let's change the degree of comparison. God is big est. He is great est. He is high est. He is mighty est. That's our God. Why can you have victory? Because you're on the right side. We don't just have barrios. We've got God who's biggest, strongest, greatest. That's who God is. Let us never be fooled into believing that something is too big for God. Or that, something, that there is something he cannot do. No, God's, God's mega. God's greater. God's bigger. He's the biggest. He is the strongest. He is the mightiest. He is the highest. Absolutely, that's who our God is. If you overcome in this life and you make it to the end believing the truth and living the truth and you win and you, and you get to heaven, it will only be because you let God fight your battles for you. Because if you fight your battles in your strength, you are going to lose. As you hear all of these persuasive voices telling you how you're supposed to live, remember these three things. You can overcome because remember who you are. You are of God, little children. He's your father. Remember that you can overcome. Absolutely you can win. You can you say, well, I've been struggling with this for years. You can win. Absolutely. Why? Because greater is he that's in you. God is bigger. God is the biggest. And if you're here today, you say, well, what about my sin? How could God ever overcome that? Oh, he can easily overcome that. Because he came as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this world as God in the flesh and died on the cross and paid for all of your sin. He can overcome it because he already did. He died on the cross to pay for your way to get to heaven. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, there's no person that God cannot save if they will humble themselves and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. And if you're willing to do that, God can do it. Father, I thank you so much today that you're greater. I thank you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us your presence and the Holy Spirit of God in our lives today. And I would ask that today, Lord, you would strengthen us in our faith, that you would help us to never be deceived by false doctrine and teachers. And I pray that if there's anybody here today that's lost and not sure about heaven, that they would get saved today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one looking around, please. I want to ask a few questions. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I know that, uh, well, first of all, let me ask you this. Say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know that I've been born again. I know I'm a child of God. Would you slip your hand up? Say, Pastor, I know that's me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And thank you for honesty. I saw many people didn't raise their hand. I appreciate that. Would there be some people here today say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure that if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. And I'd like you just to remember to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that at all? Looking around. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I appreciate those hands. And maybe today you'd say, Pastor, would you also pray for me? Maybe you've been listening to some false teaching, 
Or maybe your prayer is, hey, help me not to fall into that false teaching. Maybe some of you need to go home and try some spirits and say, is this true or not? Maybe you just need to remember that God's greater and God can solve anything. But you say, Pastor, God spoke to my heart today. Would you slip your hand up? I'd like to see. Did God speak to you today about something? If he did, thank you. You can put your hand up.